brief tonight from Matt and the team was to talk about things that we that we're learning, leadership things that we're learning throughout the pandemic season. So um, we're talking about a time in history that's really we're living through a generation defining time. And I was talking to a guy a couple of weeks ago, an older gentleman, and he said he couldn't think of another time that was as um, intense in the world, but also in the church as this, the time that he could think of before this was the Vietnam War. Mm. He said it was the early 70s and there were situations and stuff going on in the world then, but also in the church then that, that felt as emotionally charged and felt as, um, as heavy, if you like, as now. And that gave me, that was really helpful. That language was really helpful for me to give some perspective to, oh my gosh, this is the kind of thing that we've lived through. But if you've been leading or you've been part of a church team or you've been part of something like that over the last couple of years, you'll know that it's just been the time where you've got the map that you had and you went <laughs> and just flicked it into the wind and watched it disappear and take off. And that's really what this has been like. And I guess the, um, the, well, where I'm coming from, or I guess my conviction is that even though God didn't design COVID, he's definitely using it, right? It's a Joseph type story where what maybe the enemy had formed for harm, God's going to turn it and use it for good. And, and the, um, the story of the people of Israel in the Old Testament who moved into exile and then came back out of exile back into their own land again has been a really helpful frame for me to try and understand what we've been going through and how we've been going in this time. So, for example, um, the book of Isaiah has been one of my best friends in the last couple of years. Um, Isaiah is written in almost two parts. Isaiah 1 to chapter 39 is pre-exile, and then Isaiah 40 to 66 is God's promise to them in exile about the restoration that he was going to bring to the people. So for me, man, Isaiah 40 to 66, I've just been like uh, drinking it in going because it's been an exiling, it's been an exile type experience. Now it's not the same and I'm not, yeah, I'm not trying to like draw a direct parallel. It's not the same. I know that. But for us in the church, when the main game for us has been, big groups of people in really small, unventilated spaces. The one thing that COVID has changed for us is big groups of people in really small, unventilated places. And that's been our main game, right? That's been the main expression of how we have um, operated, um, of how we've known ourselves, even though we know the truth of scripture is we are the church and we're the church scattered as well as we are gathered. We are the church when we're in our homes as well as when we're together. We are the church when we're sent all over the world as missionaries as we are when we're together in one place. We are the church when we're at home meeting our neighbours up and down the street as we are when we're serving on a, on a, like a soup kitchen or, or something like that. We're the church everywhere. It's just we've kind of got in our mind 
of where we where we thought that how how we expressed that and COVID's changed that. So I think that's positive, right? Because it's given us the chance to almost rethink about how we see ourselves in our identity and how do we think about ourselves as a house to house movement rather than a temple movement. Uh, how we see ourselves as a neighbourly movement who looks kindly at our at the neighbour across our street that we never really talk to. But maybe we'll talk to them this time because we're going through something together. So we can take our cues from the return of people to front, uh, into Jerusalem again um, after the exile. And so today, I like full disclosure, I just had a bunch, like I had a big list of things that I felt like, oh, if I could say, you know, the things that we're learning or whatever, here's the list. But then over the last couple of days, I went, hmm, if we are taking our cues from that, I'm going to go back. I'm just going to have a little search around. And then I found myself in the book of Ezra, E-Z-R-A, Ezra. Um, and Ezra is a little book there nestled in the Old Testament. It was actually written with Nehemiah as a single unit, as a single volume. And then it's come to us over time as two separate books, Ezra and Nehemiah. But oftentimes you'll find um, even people when they're writing commentaries on it, it's it's like a it's a package deal. If you want one, you have to get the other. That you can't choose. You, they're, they're just they're they're part and parcel of the same story. And so the story was that the people of God had been exiled. They were in a foreign land, a place that they didn't know, separated from the temple, separated from their customs, separated from the holy places. And in the Old Testament, places were really important to the people of God. And they were separate from all of that. So think about the stories of Daniel. That's in exile. That's when they're separate. That's when they're away. Um, there are psalms that are exilic psalms that are written when they're in exile. Um, you know, that our captors demanded of us our harps and said, sing us one of those songs of one of those songs of, of, um, of Jerusalem. And, and he says, man, if I, I can't sing, how can I sing when I'm in a foreign land? You know, there's this kind of idea. And so what happens after the 70 or so years is the people of God start to return back to the land that they left but they're returning back to a land that's different to the one that they left before. And so the challenge that we have as leaders is that we are returning into a world that is different to the one that we left. So how things were for us in um, 2019, you know, and the way that the world was and the way that we expressed ministry, the way that we, you know, quote unquote, did church and all of that stuff, it's going to be a different kind of experience coming back into our world as we all emerge. And you might be in a, in a part of the world or part of Australia that has been relatively, um, that hasn't been as troubled by COVID as maybe some other places, you know, speaking to you from the lockdown capital of planet Earth, um, it's been a big, there's been a lot of changes and we can really feel it. But for some, some parts of, the, of Australia, we're only really coming into it just now in terms of how it's going to really shape, shape, shape and shift things. And in the middle of the pandemic, we heard this phrase, I just can't wait for things to get back to normal. We heard that phrase over and over. Maybe I've even said it. Maybe you've said it. Oh, man, I just can't wait 
for things to get back to normal. To which I have to ask, did I like it when things were normal anyway? I think I was pretty stressed out. I think I was tired all the time. I think I was overcommitted. I think I had way too many things on. I think I didn't spend that much time with, I didn't spend enough time with my kids. Is that back to normal really what I want to go to? <laughs> or, or will God use this time that we've all been through a big, whopping, universal experience that everybody can relate to, to really change how we see ourselves and maybe how we reach out with the gospel of Jesus to the people around us and maybe it's how we live it out in our own lives. And so using Ezra as a template, the first thing is this. When Ezra begins, something crazy happens. A pagan, heathen, idol-worshipping king called Cyrus, the one who had held the Israelites in captivity, has an idea. And he goes, you know what, guys? I think time's up. I think you can head back to your town. The exile's over. You can imagine them all looking around going, wait, really? Did you just hear that? Like, it was like, it was like Freedom Day, right? Like, it was like, it was like the day that came was like the day we had in Victoria today or yesterday where Dan Andrews gets up and says, you know what, guys, curfew ends Thursday night. And we all go, woohoo! And we could start going out again. That happened for an entire nation. And Cyrus says to them, guys, it's time. It's time for you to head back into your homeland. And what happens is Ezra leads the charge. And it's, I think it's around verse 5 of Ezra chapter 1. He said he took those with him, those who, 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 um, whose hearts God had moved. So he took with him those whom God had led. God had moved their hearts. So what he's saying is not everyone went at once. Not everyone came back at once. And this is the first thing I want to say. We need to sign on again to God's mission. Sign on again. The last time you said, yes, Lord, I surrender all. I give it all to you. That was in, that was in a pre-exile season. And for everyone, it's time to sign on again. Those whom God's heart, those, those whose hearts God had moved. And so you might lead a team. You might lead a small group. You might lead a um, welcome team. You might be on the worship team. You might have a youth group. You might serve with a group of people that goes out and serves in the community. You might be a pastor. Not everyone is going to come back at once. They're going to come back and it's going to be a time where we sign on again to God's, to God's mission. So we have to decide up front, are we going to, um, we need to decide between mission, i.e. taking new ground, or maintenance, going back to how it was. We've got to decide, are we going to try and take it, quote unquote, back to normal? So maintenance, let's just recover what was lost. Or are we going to take some new ground and sign on for God's mission all over again? So there's a new day for us, guys. There's a new day for us as the church. There's a new day for us as leaders where we've got to decide, are we going to be brave and take some new ground? Like use the fact that COVID's shaken everything up and do some kind of new crazy stuff? Or 
are we simp are we happy to just kind of gather up all of our lost stones and try and build up you know try and put piece everything back together as it was beforehand that's the first thing those whom god had moved those whose hearts god had moved came first not everyone they all came in kind of waves dribs and drabs Second thing, they get back there. Finally, Ezra leads the first couple of people, first group, and they get back into Jerusalem. And you know what the first thing they do is? They rebuild the altar. And so I want to say this, the second thing, so first thing is sign on again to God's mission. Second thing is focus on the big picture. Focus on the big picture. So, um, the altar is what they build in chapter three. The restoration of worship was on God's mind. Now, there are a ton at the moment of what I would call peripheral issues that aren't the main thing. And every one of those peripheral issues is going to be vying for your time and your attention. What do you think about this? What's your opinion on that? What do you think about that? Whatever that leader said. What do you think about the decisions they're making about this? What, you know, my Aunty May said this, you know, all peripheral issues that will bank up all around the sides, whereas God's calling us to rebuild the altar. Let's restore, let's restore kind of the central element here. Let's focus on the big picture, on what Jesus is doing, on the way he's working through this time and the way that the kingdom's advancing right now on the opportunities that are in front of us um, and on the, the gospel of Jesus that's going out right around the world right now. Like, obviously, right now, it would be awesome to be in the same room as all of you. But in a way, in a way, it's kind of cool that we can connect like this. Like, I'd rather, rather than whinging about Zoom, I'd, I'd prefer to focus on the big picture that right now we get to talk about scripture together and we get to sit together and think about what Jesus is doing. That's an example of it. Like, oh, but it, Zoom's not the same and it feels weird. I, get, I agree. I get it. I know. But like, we get to hang out. Like, I'm happy. I'm, I'm excited for that. I'm excited that God moves through this. And so I would prefer to focus on the big picture and rather than spending time on peripheral issues. And now everyone's going to want to drag you in. As a leader, stay focused, guys, on the big picture, on what it is that God's doing right now. You can keep pulling people's attention back. One of the things that we've said at our church over the last year, I mean, I've forgotten how long it is now, but it feels like forever. We've said, we, like, we, we, we keep on quoting Paul that says, God's word is not chained. Like, remember when Paul was writing a bunch of his epistles and they're called the prison epistles for a reason, the prison letters, because he's writing them from prison. So he knows a thing or two about lockdown. He knows a thing or two about feeling constricted and feeling like he can't get out. He knows a thing or two about having food delivered to his house because the Philippians did that. They sent a guy called Epaphroditus with food and clothes and all that. So he had like menu log, the iconic all wrapped up, all rolled into one, delivered to him. And Epaphroditus nearly died on the way, right? So you can think about how bad Paul would feel signing for that parcel when, the, when he arrives at the door. There's all of that going on. He knows it's all part of our inheritance, guys. And so um, we could 
So, yeah, we can spend time on all of that. But the thing that we quote is God's word is not chained. God's word is not chained. It never has been, never will be, never will be. We have this beautiful time right now. And I do think about it, you know, that there was, it was, um, again, so long ago, it could have been like, oh, it was maybe the last weekend in March of 2020. So, you know, it was like February and people were like, COVID, COVID, what's all this stuff? And then March, and then we were like, oh yeah, it, it'll blow over. I was like, oh, it's just going to be like, it won't be very much. And then all of a sudden, last weekend in March, and everywhere, everyone, like all of Australia, we were all figuring out, like every church tech person on planet Earth was tearing their hair out, trying to figure out how to stream and how to work, how to work, like how to quickly sign up for a YouTube account. How do we, how does Facebook Live work? We were all trying. But that Sunday, I had this picture of like, of Jesus just, you know, just pressing the big green button and going send like the entire internet gets flooded with church services, with people preaching, with worship, with songs, with um, testimonies, with everyone just trying to figure it out. No one's doing it well, but it's all going out all over the globe. And I just had this moment where I was like, huh, Huh. I wonder if this is just one of those times, you know, I wonder if this is one of those times that we'll talk about, like when they invented the printing press and then all of a sudden the regular person who wasn't trained or who wasn't clergy could read the Bible for themselves. Like when they, when the Romans built the roads because um, they conquered everything and so they built these really sweet roads that didn't crumble in the rain and so the people could take, so the early church took the gospel along these really safe, reliable roads to then the entire known world. I wonder if this is one of those times where the church on planet Earth went, hmm, okay, it's time for us to use our voice and everyone's online. So we're just, you know, it's not going to be pretty, but we're going to have a crack green button, send. And so it goes, right? And so the, the, the word of God isn't chained. And so that's the big picture that I um, love us to focus on and just in, that, in, in restoring the altar and doing that. So sign on again to God's mission and you're going to have to call people to that. So if you're a leader, don't feel afraid when it rolls around to February next year and you guys are blowing the trumpet for like getting involved and let's be part of what it is that God's doing for the future. Don't be afraid to get people to sign on again. Hey, guys, it's a new season. It's a new day. This is what it's going to look like for the next 12 months. It's going to be uncertain. It's going to be weird. It's going to be, uh, you know, we're not going to have all the answers. We're going to be figuring it out. Who's in? That kind of stuff. Um, so the third one, so sign on again to God's mission. Two, focus on the big picture. Three, prepare for the tests. Tests, T E. STS tests in chapter four as they start coming back of course of course the people of God run into um, they run into opposition and there are people who don't want them to do it and they get they get confused and they get muddled and people are trying to stop them and people get jealous and people get upset prepare for the tests. I think there's three main tests as a leader 
that God will use. And these are things that aren't like um, you're not doing something wrong. Like these aren't like attacks from the enemy or um, or signs from God that you're a bad leader and doing and doing a bad job. No, this is just part of it. Okay. If you were a leader, if you sign on to God's mission, you will have to face the test of misunderstanding. People will misunderstand you. I, but I thought you said, you know, or you've said something and then people take it. They'll just misunderstand you. It's not because you're a bad leader. It's not because you're wrong. It's not because like the devil's on your case. It's just leadership. It's a test. God will take you through it because every single leader in scripture worth their salt was misunderstood. Jesus was misunderstood. Paul was misunderstood. The judges were misunderstood. The kings were misunderstood. There's misunderstanding. Secondly, there's injustice. The times when as a leader, you say, it's not fair. It's not fair. And you know what, guys? It's not. It's not fair. And you will say, God, but I didn't sign up for this. I didn't sign up. It's not fair. How can they da 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 while I, da, 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 da. it's not fair. That's, it's not like you're not a bad leader. You're not wrong. It's just leadership. It's just something that happens and you will move through it. So there's misunderstanding and there's injustice. And then thirdly, and this is a hard one, there is betrayal. There are times when there are key leaders who were near you and who were dear to you turn away or they move on, and maybe you didn't even get betrayed, but maybe you just felt betrayed. And you just felt like, oh, I thought we were going to be doing this together, and now we're not. And there's such a, there's a, it's, it happens all the time to us as leaders, where especially when you, you've bought in, right? You are sold out. You've signed on. We're going. We're going all the way. And then you thought that there were people who were going to be doing that with you. And then for whatever reason, life, a hundred reasons that it's not, and they might not have betrayed you, but you feel betrayed. And that's another test. You're not a bad leader. You're not wrong. It's just leadership. It just happens sometimes like that. They will come, but prepare for the tests. Just know that when you come into it, you're like, okay, this is horrible, but I also realize I'm not, I'm not the worst and it's going to be okay. And this is nothing that Jesus hadn't faced before, right? It's the same thing with the people of God. You can go to it. It's in Ezra chapter four, where they have to prepare for the tests. All right. Sign on to God's mission. Focus on the big picture. Prepare for the tests. Number four, guys, and I love this one, is clarify the dream. Clarify the dream. Um, it's similar to the one on big picture, but slightly different because in chapter six, they've got the altar, but you know what they don't have yet? They don't have the temple. The temple is, the, is in the Old Testament, the place that housed God's presence. That was like the incubator for the presence of God, where the priests would go and where the hand of God would touch the hand of man. And they would, that's what the, that's what a priest does, right? Takes the hand of God and the hand of man and puts them together. 
and they didn't have the temple. And so they, they, decide, they decide to band together and go, okay, now we've got the altar, but now we need the temple to go around it to really celebrate God's presence. Guys, it's going to be time for us to clarify the dream. What are you imagining in this new season? Because the presence of God is a place of imagination. It's a place where we start to imagine and we start to dream. It's a place where when you go and you spend time with Jesus and you commune with the Holy Spirit, that's when that biblically formed imagination starts to fire up and you're like, whoa, what if we could do this? What if we could do that? Now, when I say clarify the dream, what I'm not saying is be certain about the future. <laughs> because if there's anything that we've learned is certainty doesn't exist anymore. But we can have clarity about the dream without having to have certainty about how tomorrow is going to be. We can start to clarify and start to give some language to. So we're doing this at our own church um, at the moment. It's taken us about three years to get there, guys. But um, where our current building is situated, we have a block of land next door to our own property that also we well, people say we own it. I like to say that we're the stewards of. And that block of land has sat dormant for like 20 years. And I thought, Jody and I thought to ourselves during the whole COVID thing, we thought, well, if everything else is happening beneath, like, un, like behind the scenes and under the ground right now, like in the root system, it's time for us to start discerning and praying about how the Lord might want us to steward that land. And so we started to dream and we're inviting the church onto this journey now. And we're going to be um, over November, just without the way that restrictions are in Melbourne, we're going to be prayer walking around the property and starting to dream, start to clarify the dream, to rebuild the, rebuild the temple, so to speak, to start to stir up some of that imagination, that what if. And so it doesn't matter, you might, it doesn't matter what you what you lead or what ministry you're a part of, how could you come at your role or your um the the your service the thing that god has called you to serve in right now with a sense of imagination with a sense of what if we dot 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 because there's there's never been a better time for it like there'll be more crazy ideas that get like like cleared and get like get the tick of approval in boardrooms like and meeting like around meeting tables now than ever now is the time for crazy ideas, right? Like there are, you know, there are TV show ideas, like stuff that's coming out now that I'm like, man, how did that get through? I reckon it was just COVID. I reckon people were just delirious and they just, did, you know, and so maybe that'll be the way that it is with your church or your group. Everyone's just delirious and they're just like, yeah, we'll give that a go. We'll give anything a go right now. Have a crack. Clarify the dream. Start to think about what you could do, what, 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 what could be different? What could be, um, yeah, just start to imagine, not because we need like brand new things to do because the old way was bad or wrong. No, but just because there is an, we have an opportunity to do that right now. And so clarify the dream. All right, there's a couple more. Um, so one, two, three, and four, God's mission, big picture, prepare for the test, four, clarify the dream. Number five, and this is an important one, guys, and this one is pertinent to now, is increase 
relational connection. Increase relational connection. You see at the end of chapter six now. So a lot of the people are back, a couple of waves of people are back. They've built the altar. They've had some opposition. They've now built the temple. And then you know what they do? They break bread. It's time for the Passover. They celebrate in community. They've done all of this work rebuilding stuff. And now it's time to break bread. And so like this last season, and I don't know if you found this, but in your work or with your like uni or school, or if you found this in your own like team meetings or whatever, but because we've been online predominantly, everything's been really task oriented. Like if I get onto a Zoom now, I can handle like maybe two or three minutes of chit chat. And I'm like, all right, let's bring up the Trello board and what's on the agenda. Like, let's just crunch it out because I don't want to be on here more than like for longer than I need to. So this time has been focused on task, but the next one, as we start to gather and be together more needs to be focused on relationship. So um, the last season was about clicking links and the next season needs to be about breaking bread. There, we will need to just spend some time, more time than necessary, hanging out. So um, it's looking like, you know, Lord willing, that we'll be able to gather together with our entire staff team uh, second week in November. And we're going to go away for a couple of nights. If we, again, Lord willing, if we can, you know, these, like our plans now are written they're not even written in pencil on a piece of paper. They're written in chalk on the concrete, you know, just because that's how sure we are of what's going to happen. Um, like, so, but we're hoping to be able to get away with the team. And it was a couple of weeks ago and Joseph and I were sitting and I said, okay, we're just going to have to take out like two thirds of the agenda of what we thought we were going to like get done on the time away, oh, this next year to plan, oh, there's all this stuff, all this time that we haven't been able to be together. And it's just like, no, nah, you know what we're going to do is just eat good food and drink like way too much coffee. And we're just going to hang out. We're just going to, we'll spend some time in prayer. We'll spend some time in worship. We'll spend some time in the word. We might kind of creak open the door to some calendar items for next year, but that's just to appease the like super, um, you know, um, type one Enneagram perfectionist need everything to be perfect kind of people. We'll get that done so they don't have an anxiety attack. And then we're going to chill. We're just going to like, we're going to just take our time because I know I'm guilty of this. We've spent so much time just getting it done and it's hard it's hard to really do you know we've tried really hard to do the like like hangout thing and even in this last round of lockdown I noticed we did way less like cahoots and like you know hanging out and like oh we're gonna have like virtual dinner with our friends and all that kind of stuff it's just like no nah, it's, it's you know let's just re-watch like Ted Lasso again you know for the hundredth time or whatever so um yeah, so increase relational connection. So start having a think about with your own like people, whoever they are, and with your own team, how you might start to increase that relational. Now that's going to be hard because as soon as you get back together, like the tyranny of time and of the calendar is, well, we just have to keep 
like keep pressing forward, but that's going to be important. All right. We're like, we're moving on chapter eight in Ezra, right? So look at this. We're just like flying through the book of Ezra right now. And again, please go back and check me on this. But in chapter eight, what happens is they discover, they start reading the word together. They open it up and Ezra, who's the scribe, he gets up and starts reading the law aloud publicly. And they start to realize, oh, we've been doing some stuff here that's actually not been good for our soul. That's not been good for us as a people. We've transgressed some of these ancient laws, some of the ways that God said it would be good for us to live. And we've moved a little bit sideways for that. So the sixth thing, guys, for, um, for leadership learnings in this season is pay attention to your own soul. Pay attention to your own soul. See, um, we can only take, like, we can take responsibility for the stuff that we can control. And one of the things that we can control is our own heart. Uh, is in our, our own soul, what else, how our soul, how we care for our own soul. I'm very, I'm very conscious of the fact that my own soul and my own heart has taken hits in this season that it will take me another couple of years to get healing for. So stuff has happened to me, stuff has happened by me. I've been a part of something, of just an experience that has taken a toll on my own life. And I'm, I'm conscious of that, but I don't know what that toll is yet because I'm still in it. And it's only going to be as we start coming out the other side of this that I'm going to realise, oh, Matt, you're a little bit damaged there. Something's happened to your soul there. You're, you're angry. You're um, bitter. You're anxious. You're addicted to your phone. You're um, restless you're disconnected from people and some of those things have come about in my own life because of the season that we've been through and so I have that's on me to take responsibility for that and to be able to spend some time working through that with trusted mentors with supervisors um, with a spiritual director um, with a friend I mean, I'm, you know, I'm pretty sure some of it will be cured by just actually getting to hang out with some friends and, you know, like just like spend some time in the same room, some of it. But pay attention to your soul. Where does your own soul right now need, need, um, need healing? Where do you need to be able, where do you need to um, come back to the Lord and go, God, you know, this has been, this has been tough. This has been a hard time. And I don't have the resources right now to be able to move through to where I need to get to. I reckon I've had 15 people in the last month ask me for recommendations of good Christian counsellors or Christian psychologists in our area. Probably 15, I would say, and that's, a, that's like a rough guess, but way more than I ever thought and way concentrated into the last month or or six weeks of my life. And so it was like, whoa, you know, like I, it basically ended up where I had like a, I had just a big list saved in my notes in my phone and I would just copy, like I would just copy and paste it just to say, yep, here's the list. And then people could go and check it out. 
But this is what's happening now, guys. And it's not to be a downer. It's just to say we do need to, because if you don't pay attention to your own soul, it's going to be later. Like it's going to be down the track where things come out. So um, I was listening to um, a pastor from New York, a guy by the name of Tim Keller, who was reflecting on the COVID experience, but he was reflecting on it in respect to 9-11. And he said, when 9-11 happened in New York, everyone was good. And then it was about 18 months afterwards. That's when the cracks started to appear. That's when people started to drop out. That's when people started to burn out. That's when people started to really like to lose it. That's when people's relationships started to suffer about 18 months after. Why? Because when a crisis happens, we go into adrenaline mode. You do what you can. You do what you have to and you get it done. And then once the crisis is over and then you have a you sit back on your couch and go and take a rest. And then you realize, man, I really burnt like I really burnt myself. I really took some chunks out of my own soul in this time. So pay attention to your soul, guys. And that's something that I'm trying to do as well. And um, yeah, um, the last one um, is this. So there's a last one and then there's like kind of like a bonus conclusion one. So um, the seventh one is this. Expect blessings from strange places. Expect blessings from strange places. Why do we say this? Say this because when we go all the way back to the beginning of Ezra, it's the blessing of Cyrus, the pagan king, that allows the people of Israel to go back into Jerusalem. All the way through, they're met with um, these pagan kings and leaders who allow them to do stuff that they didn't think that they were going to be allowed to do. And I think that as we move out of COVID times into a new time, whatever that's going to be, we should expect, we should have on our radar blessings from strange places. We get used to blessings coming from the same spots, but like what if we could just expect to see blessings come from random places that we didn't, like expect God to surprise us with new things, with interesting things. As we um, take on this new season together as we sign on again to God's mission, I think that there will be some ways that God operates in the future that we haven't seen before. So um, pay attention to new shoots, new, like new, new little bursts of life that are coming up around you. I'm trying to do that in my own life as well and just try and pay attention to, um, to some things. So an example would be a couple of weeks ago, um, I decided, well, we're all still locked down in Melbourne. I'm going to do a 6.30 um, in the morning Bible study on my, um, on my social media accounts on, and just see what happens. And it was really, really fun. I didn't enjoy getting up at like 6 o'clock in the morning and having to juggle my Facebook and Instagram all at the same time. It felt weird and awkward, but it was really, really fun. And, and it, was a, it was a good time and I got a lot out of it. And I think there were some people who really enjoyed it too. And then side note, it helped me then preach the next four weeks of messages that I needed to as well. So, you know, a little bit of time in time there, a little bit of like helpful planning 
but it was something that I didn't want to do. It was inconvenient, but I thought, oh, I've always wanted to do it. And it's time to do it now because no one's going anywhere anyway. So, you know, happy days. And, you know, 6.30, well, you can always watch it back if you didn't get up, you know, at 6.30. And so it was really, so expect blessings from strange places and just have a go where um, the thing we're doing at the moment is we're talking to our local council um, for church and just saying to them, hey, guys, what's on the list for big ticket items that you as a council I want to want to really like knock on the head over the next five to 10 years. And so they've got this whole like health and well-being plan that they're working towards with our like whole council area. So 200,000 people. And we're going into the council and saying, hey, guys, well, maybe we could help. Like maybe we could do some stuff together or like, is there any way that you think like we could serve you guys or just trying to search out where are there going to be blessings in, in strange and unexpected places. Um, there was a, a, it was a couple of years ago, just before lockdown, actually, the Lord started to speak to us about um, the importance of foster care. And it came up time and time again. And like, like in a weird, like too many, too many times in a short space of time to, to for it to be coincidental. And so, um, yeah, and so out of that, we've we've formed basically a whole network of foster carers to be able to serve and to to serve like carers, uh, respite carers, out of home carers in our region, which has been really, really unexpected. <laughs> it's been unexpected to do that, and they're just some small things where we thought, well, we there's just we're going to just expect that there might be some weird stuff that we didn't see that will come into our into our world and maybe into our lap right now, things that we can do to help and serve. All right. Um, the last thing is this. The people came back into Israel and their big question was this. Will God still be with us as he was with us before? Because you're going to think about Israel, right? They had the, they've got the story, the story of coming out of Egypt across the sea into the wilderness and then into the promised land. That's their story. God's been faithful to them. He fed them every day with manna from heaven. He fed them. He worked with them. He walked with them all that time. They've got a story. And then they got exiled. And then they were in a foreign land. And now they're coming back into the promised, the promised land again. And it's been wrecked. It's ruined. And they're asking, we know that God was with us that first time, but is he with us now? Or has he left? Like the last 70 years maybe has proved that mm, we didn't do too good. And maybe he's not here anymore. And so the people's question was, was God, will God be with us as he was with us before? And the message of Ezra is that the people of God might move into a new season, but we still live in the same story and we still access the same promises that God gave then, he gives now. His promises haven't changed. His character hasn't changed. His heart hasn't changed for us. The gifts that he comes to give haven't changed. The season has changed, but he hasn't changed. And he will be with us as before, but in whole brand new ways that I think are really going to blow our socks off 
and really make us go, wow, God, you have used this time. This, you have used this time really powerfully. What the, enemy, what the enemy had planned for harm, you have used it. You've turned it for good. And you're going to use this season for good to continue to advance your kingdom into the future until Jesus comes again. So thank you, my friends. It's been awesome to spend this time talking with you.